afternoon and welcome to Auto Retail Live from the Auto Retail Network. Thank you very much for taking time on this, the first of the double-digit days in December. Uh, Father Christmas is definitely on his way. Um, today, we are looking ahead to closing out of 2020 and also further ahead into 2021. What a year it's been. We're not going to go back and spend a huge amount of time uh, revisiting 2020. I'm sure many of us will be happy to move on. Uh, but we will take a look um, at what's going to happen between now and the end of the year uh, and some of the practical things we can work on uh, in the new year. Uh, questions and comments, please. You're more than welcome to send them via um, the webinar. You can type in your question. It goes straight through to uh, Tristan, uh, our editor, uh, and then we will raise the questions with the panel. You can, of course, use the hashtag ARNLive if you're joining us uh, and using social media at the same time. So to our panel, I'm delighted to say we have a complete tour de table of the United Kingdom. Uh, we will be covering uh, England, Scotland, and a little bit of Wales uh, with Robert Forrester, uh, the CEO of Vertu Motors. Uh, Jonathan Gravel uh, covers Wales for us with Gravel's Motors, uh, and from Northern Ireland, Paul Ward from Shelbourne Motors. Uh, and to give us a perspective from the customer and some of the challenges we have to address from a marketing perspective, uh, we welcome Aaron Peddy from Rapid RTC. So I'm going to jump to Wales, first of all, and say good afternoon and welcome to Jonathan Gravel. Uh, Jonathan, how is 2020 wrapping up for you? Um, uh, uh, very well at the moment. Yeah, we, since we've um, the last Q3 was very strong, Q4 is finishing uh, better than we would have anticipated, even with the lockdowns and the challenges. Um, consumers are quite confident, uh, used car volumes are strong, and new car traffic is reasonable. So, um, yeah, it, it's quite positive considering where we've come from in the early part of the year. And, and from a financial perspective, does that leave you looking happy as you as you wait for Father Christmas to arrive? Yes, yeah, we should see progression on profit from 2019. Um, so that, that is very different to what we had anticipated um, towards the middle of summer. And, and is that a good split between new and used? How, do, how, does that, how does that look from your perspective? Yeah, Q, Q3 was very strong on used. I think we sort, of, we sort of doubled our used car transactions during that, that quarter, um, and the margin on profit was, was significantly ahead. So used has really been the driver for the second half of the year. Um, new has been a good contributor, but news has been the big, the big factor. Okay, well let's let's cross let's cross the water uh, and join Paul at um, Shelbourne Motors. You have a, a, a good mix. You have new uh, franchise, and you also have two big uh, used supermarkets, which provides you with a balance. How how's twenty twenty been, and how's it going to end up? Do you think? Uh, we remain very positive about twenty twenty. Um, I suppose when we all went into the first lockdown, we were quite concerned where we would end up in the year. But um, when we came out, and just before we came out with our online transactions, uh, we had a plan in place that we'd catch up our year's budget, and we're pretty much uh, on, on, on plan. We have been in a lockdown for the past two weeks, so we're due to come out tomorrow. Um, and we have quite a few appointments and customer interest for the weekend ahead. And, and, and the balance between new and used for you this year, how's the mix been? Uh, used has been very strong. Um, new still has its constraints with supply, um, but uh, used has been the, the, the driver in the volume. 
Well, Robert, Robert Forrester um, from Vertu Motors. Welcome back, uh, Robert. A familiar face with us here on uh, ARN. You manage a business that, that crosses England into Scotland um, and into Wales. A, a lot to uh, juggle with throughout this year. And you've been kind enough to share your experiences as we've gone through the year. Um, and, and positive for those of us who follow you on Twitter. It looks like a positive end to the year. Is that is that true? Yeah, I think so. Um, we're... We're 15% up on year-on-year -year profitability, which given the fact, as, as the other gentleman has said, you know, on the 23rd of March, you wouldn't have put money on that. Uh, I was looking at some fairly major losses in my mind as where we were. And um, we've seen very strong cash performance and good performances across the entire business with the possible exception of body shops and trade parts, actually. The rest of it has been pretty well flying, uh, obviously aided by government support massively. I mean, if you took the government support out of our respective profit and loss accounts, it would look very, very different. So I don't think we should get carried away uh, when you consider how much money the government's actually pumped into the businesses. But overall, you're you're sounding positive. And I know it's your job to be positive and upbeat, but you're also very brutally honest about things. So do you feel that the year has, has, has been a time in the gym for everybody to get fitter and, and push forward? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we've got a better business now than we had 12 months ago. And if we weren't positive and confident about the industry in the future, we wouldn't have spent nearly 30 million quid uh, on Friday night buying some BMW dealerships, um, unless we were stupid. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be positive about, but I think we have to be quite measured because there's a lot of, uh, of rocks in the way as well. Darren, we, we heard there from three three business leaders talking about the, the, the money, the, the way that people are coming through. Tell us now about the customer. What, what's the customer looking for, having gone through this kind of roller coaster ride of the year, um, as they get towards year end? Are, are customers still customers doing the same thing, or have they changed in the way they, they want to engage with retailers, do you think? I think a lot of it is customers were, were to a degree, and certainly in lockdown one, were forced into changing um, the way they, they interacted with dealers. I think it's, you know, one thing I think we've all become used to over the last 10 months is Zoom calls and, you know, Teams meetings and et cetera. So, you know, a, a broad range of age groups have become used to it. So I think the, the interactions with dealers, I think it's, it's been interesting. And we've got a lot of analysis. We've got a sort of a very broad overview, if you like. Uh, and we certainly saw the dip in, you know, when the first lockdown in April. You know, lead volumes in terms of uh, e-leads went down by just around about 45, 46%. Chat inquiries went down by 65%. But then from June onwards, that increased. And, and when we're talking for the sort of overall year, we see an 8% increase year on year between 2019 and 2020. And taking into consideration the turmoil we've had this year, to actually see lead volumes actually increase. But interestingly, uh, when we're talking about a positive end to the year, you know, we've actually seen um, November was on par with last November, which is quite unusual um, in terms of inquiry levels. But December on its own, um, our chat volume, we've seen chats actually increase by 150% compared to 2019. So it's a huge volume. So I think customers are comfortable with transacting in a different way. Dealers have adapted to click and collect. So I think uh, from a customer's perspective, I think they, they've adapted and they're quite comfortable. <laughs> Jonathan, from our, we, we, took, we, we tend to talk a lot, as understandably, about, about sales of new and, and used. But of course, with that business, uh, the service work, there's MOT, uh, there was MOT deferred uh, for, for several months. So Jonathan, are you seeing kind of a, a, a hole in your MOT and service work or has it all come back or is it all going to wait until 2021? 
Uh, I think we've uh, we've had an incredibly busy uh, six months since June, really, in terms of the opening. Um, and I've seen that come through MIT and Service. Um, and as Robert pointed out, it's only the trade and body shop that has maybe suffered a little um, since the reopening. But workshop-wise, we're seeing good volumes carrying on through this year, through this month, and we're forecasting a strong Q1 similar with these volumes. So at the moment, we're not we're, we're not seeing any hole. Um, I think there is concern over the amount of workload in Q2 next year, but at the current levels of activity and the service plan business that people tend to perform, um, we're not we're not forecasting a significant impact of that. And, and thinking about now moving towards 2021, uh, Paul, obviously we are in an uncertain phase with regarding politics. We'll keep away from politics, but obviously Brexit from a business perspective, uh, COVID um, is, is a challenge we have to, to, to face going forward. But um, are, are, do you have anxieties or, or are you confident as you step forward into post 1st of January and a new world? I, I think we need to be ready to make whatever changes is necessary. Uh, Brexit does concern us slightly more in Northern Ireland um, with potential tariffs, 20% uh, tariffs or 20% VAT on marginal used cars, which is quite worrying. Um, so that would leave us uh, a lot less competitive than our UK counterparts. Uh, there is a 10% tariff if there's no deal being uh, floated about. Uh, we just need some clarity um, so that we can actually put a plan into place and, uh, and be able to drive our businesses forward in 2021. But there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty, and by last night and, and today's announcements, that doesn't seem to be going away. And, and how does that work in a relationship with you know national sales companies, the manufacturers, in terms of it? Because obviously they have a product they want to sell, and, and you've got customers that, that you want to sell to. Is there, is there a, a good level of communication and, 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 and plans in place for different scenarios? Um, well, a lot of, nobody knows what's happening, so you know one of our sources of business or used cars would be motivated. And they made the announcement yesterday that um, Northern Ireland dealers weren't ready to buy any more UK motivability marginal vehicles because they couldn't guarantee that the end of the, the province before um, the 31st of December. Uh, so there could be a 20% tariff on those vehicles. So our supply lines are being dried up slightly. Now we have taken that approach and, and went ahead and purchased quite heavily for uh, anticipation of, of, of this happening and of the ports being busier. So we are quite concerned, I suppose, uh, January, February going forward. So it's a balance, isn't it? Robert, from, from your perspective, there have been the, the, the lots of changes. We've got the CO2 regulations, which almost have, have not been talked about as the year has gone on. We've had changes in policy around uh, diesel and petrol. We've got green number plates. There's a lot to take on board there. How is that playing out in the showroom with the customer? Robert, we seem to um, we seem to have stepped. We don't seem to be able sorry, to connect. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, no. I there went. We uh, I went. There we go. So I think the 2030 announcement was interesting because even though I think it's broadly a political statement, that may or may not come true, we saw customers searching more about electric vehicles and inquiring more about electric vehicles after the announcement. So it did actually have an impact on customers, which I think is interesting and and beneficial. Um, I think the um, the. The emissions fines are the big thing at the moment, not around 2030. By 2030, if the Euro 7 diesel petrol emissions regulations come in, they're going to be 
very different cars to drive is my understanding they are stringent on emissions for for diesel and petrol and uh i think that could create some quite interesting negative issues actually and positive issues for electric vehicles at the moment though the manufacturers have to clearly manage their mix and their emissions and we are seeing already this is the first december when this regime has been in place you know big incentives for dealers to take electric vehicles either to pass through to customers directly or potentially to register uh, and some curtailment of of offers on diesel and petrol product as they try and get that mix right uh, and, and why wouldn't they do that if they've got to try and avoid these absolutely monstrous fines uh, we are seeing increasing amounts of government regulation. I mean, sometimes I think like, we've been nationalised. There's so much government regulation on our business at the moment. Um, so I think we're going to have to get used to this. This is going to be the same every December, and uh, it is just a part of business. And there'll be opportunities for for retailers in the mix, I think, as we get through. Have, have we got to a situation that, that a, a kind of um, stock and this issue of forced registrations has, was cleaned out. There was a suggestion over the year because of a limited supply that there was almost a clean market in that sense. So are, are, is, is that the case or are some retailers going well, to be Well, it's never been a wholly clean market. There has been registration activity going on here, but at a much lower level because of the supply constraints. So I think we've had a much cleaner market. And actually, that's been exceedingly good news for used car margins and indeed new car margins. So I think that has been a major benefit in terms of taking out the fluff and the nonsense which led to far too many registrations and supply into the UK. Um, however, said that, you will see, I suspect, a significant increase in electric vehicle registrations in December, um, and that will not be necessarily reflective of uh, a normal naturalised market. And I guess you've got to be careful in that situation of making sure the right customer is getting the right vehicle rather than the right incentive to sell a particular vehicle. Yeah, I, I think that's right. There is pressure on retailers to increase their mix of electric vehicles and and they aren't suitable to for everybody. So I think we've always got to be mindful of, you know, treating the customer fairly and making sure we are not pushing people into cars that don't actually suit their needs. And that will come back to bite a retailer if they do that, because the car will be back fairly quickly with, um, you know, you didn't tell me the X. So I think... Um, it's a, it's one to watch, and and that pressure which is coming down the line, you know, needs managing. You're watching Auto Retail Live. Uh, we're spending time uh, this Thursday afternoon thinking about the end of 20 close out and into 2021. Thank you for joining us. Your questions are more than welcome, uh, and you can enter them in the uh, screen in front of you, and they come through to Tristan in the studio, uh, or you can send them by hashtag ARNLive. Uh, Darren, I'd like to just pick up on something that, that uh, Robert said there about obviously customers and electric vehicles and finding the right car. From what you're seeing through through your work with Rapid RTC, what's your take on the customer appetite um, for uh, this type of new technology? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we were very much similar to to Robert. Once the government announced the 2030 regulations, that very day we saw a 36% increase in chat volumes. Um, from the customers. So that, that gives you an indication of how customers respond to, to news. So, and I, th I think this is a biggie. I think, you know, the 2030 is very ambitious, um, but I think it's it, it, the, the change is huge. It's not like you're going from a petrol to a diesel car. This is a complete change. And I think for customers, this is all going to be very, very new uh, and quite scary to a, lot of, to a lot of people. So I think it's really, really important for dealers to equip the staff with the knowledge 
and the tools that they need to be able to handle these these type of inquiries. I think it's you know if you go back to you know, my dealer my dealer days going back 10 15 years ago, you know if you had a motability inquiry and the guy was off, your motability specialist was off, it would oh, you have to come back to us tomorrow. That can happen with electric vehicles. You have to equip your staff with the knowledge um, and tools to be able to handle these inquiries because it will increase. Jonathan, how does that how does that work with you then? In terms of customer comes in, are you are you on an education path uh, with that customer, taking them through, um, particularly perhaps uh, you know across a, a country like Wales, where you've got a mix of rural and uh, and town, and you, you've got quite a job to try and explain and and overcome some of the challenges, perhaps. Yeah, I think that uh, that would certainly be true. I would say maybe last year, if I was this year, but you've seen customers that are far more educated and engaged already. Um, they're turning up with you know a very good knowledge base of the, the product and the offering, um, and it come it's it, it to many of the customers who bought electric, it is like a normal um, sales inquiry process where you're really showing them what what's available for them to have and and how much they can enjoy the product because they, they're very well educated and have done a lot of research prior to visiting dealerships. So it is the test drive element on how the vehicle performs. Mm -hmm. That's sort of key for the customer uh, on, on, on the transactions currently. I think as Robert was saying earlier, the, the COVID, and as Darren said, hasn't changed the way that people want to interact. They still want to try the car. And again, even more so, it's an opportunity and a need for them to actually perhaps step into the car and experience it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think seeing the choice of vehicles and looking at what and looking at the uh, what suits them best is something that is quite difficult to do digitally. You, you still need a physical visit to actually have that um, engagement with the dealership or the salesperson or the vehicle itself. And the easier you can make that, the more enjoyable that is, is the more successful we can be. But a knowledge of the, the electrical products is, is very strong with the customers already who are currently looking at it. Mm. Paul, your business obviously split. You you have a number of franchises. I, I believe you have Renault, Nissan, Dacia, Toyota. You have a spread, uh, and and obviously the two car supermarkets. This year, we've been bombarded with different offers coming into the market. All seem to begin with the letter C. We've had Cinch and Kazoo and Carzam. Uh, is that is that because the customers offering wanting something new, or because people are just trying different ways of selling cars? Um. I, I, yeah, I think that there's a it's, it's a different way of selling cars. I think we've had quite a few people in the past and quite a few large companies in the past try to uh, join the, the motor trade. Um, I think it's beginning to get a lot very crowded market. I think our customers um, and consumers out there still want a dealership experience. They still want the reassurance of backup service. They still want to, to be able to touch and feel it. Um, not everybody will want to hit the button online. There is a place for both, but I still think once our lockdown finishes tomorrow, and we'll certainly see a flood of customers coming back into the showrooms again. I certainly hope so. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Um, there is a, a you know there is a, a a place in the market for it, but I'm not sure how big it is. I think everybody still wants to, or quite a quite a few people still want to come to the showrooms and and uh, do the traditional experience, albeit streamlined um, with the paperwork and the test trip. I guess, Robert, it comes back to this issue. What does what does online actually mean? It, it probably means whatever somebody thinks it means, but uh, the perception of you might sit in front of the telly and, and believe that, that actually the car will be delivered to your door and it will all be done without anything, anything problems. But is that your view? I mean, some people will buy a car, sat on their sofa without a test drive and have it delivered to their house. 
uh, it is a minority sport beyond belief. Uh, there are, you know, different people who would not go on the internet. But I would say the data I would see is 70 odd percent of people have been on the internet before they bought a car. A very small percentage of them have actually bought a car online without seeing it. Um, clearly, that probably rises in lockdowns. But there are so many different ways of communicating with dealerships now. Clearly, they can go on the do, do an internet inquiry. We speak to most people. Most people want to speak to somebody before they purchase. Even if they buy at distance, they want to speak to somebody. Live chat is, uh, is a big element of it. And there's so many ways of communicating with us now on the internet without having to just press the button without speaking to anybody, whether it's live chat, video chat. Our showrooms now have technology where we can do video chat just like we're doing now with customers. That actually the chances of somebody getting to the bottom of the funnel and pressing the online button is actually quite low because we make it so easy for them to do anything else. Is the internet important? Of course it's important. It's the major driver of, you know, our biggest entry point into the businesses via the internet, but the showrooms are still preeminent. And actually talking back to electric vehicles, you know, would somebody really buy an electric vehicle without having seen it, felt it, understood the different powertrains, understood the different charging mechanisms? I doubt it, if I'm honest. I think the dealerships are going to be around for quite a long time. And is that part of a shift for you as you look into 2021 in terms of the way that your team um, your team interacts with customers? Are they on that education journey? No, no, to, absolutely. To... We are doing a lot of work uh, around training on how to conduct a good video consultation, not just relying on a face-to-face -face in a dealership, but using video technology to actually communicate with multiple numbers of people. Could be the wives in one place, the husbands in another place. Uh, and, and we can have those conversations now, show them the car, just you know, share the screen, which is the deal, into their living room on the big screen, Apple share, and away you go. So that the world is a lot more complicated. And we've got to have people who are good at drafting emails, who are good at communicating via these uh, video uh, technologies. And that is the job now. I mean, I, I absolutely see, I don't see why we would employ a sales executive now without them doing a presentation via FaceTime to us as part of the recruitment that would seem to be a very good thing to do so you know the world is changing and it's changing fast just not as fast as some consultants would like us to think jonathan is this is this changing for you as well in terms of the time uh, and expectation because robert's talking there about you know being available probably most people are available as you know from looking at web stats and needing to look at a car so are you having to shift your business even further in 2021 to make people available at that time in order to grab the sale yeah, it, it definitely is. It's a, diff it's a different way of working and, you know, it's providing that contact after the dealership's closed. Uh, so you get, you're working at the customer time. So, you know, you are scheduling sales staff, you are sort of encouraging sort of faster response and again, giving the video opportunities for the customers. But it's, it's, it's a, you know, like everything, the, the, the world changes, the salesman's life is changing in that sense. But in the same way, it's engaging with the customer and it's finding the best way to engage. So it's really going back to what they're best at, creating that engagement and relationship. And Darren, I suppose exactly that's the point, isn't it? It's it's having the full skill set, and and if you haven't quite got everything rounded off, you need to be, you need to be uh, polishing up and making yourself available for a customer. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a couple of points there. And I agree with Robert and Jonathan. I think you've got to build relationships with people. And, you know, our, our philosophy has always been connecting people with you know, customers with salespeople. Uh, and I think that's, that, that's the key part. Customers want to talk to somebody that's knowledgeable, uh, that can provide the answers that they require. So because one thing is quite clear, you know, regardless of what you're buying, you know, whether it be t a television or a, you know, a pair of a boots or, or a car, you know, that journey starts somewhere. So 
you know, starts with the interest, then, you know, the information on the, when we're talking about electric cars, the information on the web is going to be huge. But at some point, that customers want to, want to talk to somebody. And the consistency is the key to it. So whether they walk in the showroom, whether they pick up the phone, whether they want to do a web chat, you know, whether they want to text, the customer experience has to be consistent in all channels. And I think that's the key to it. So I think that's one point. And I think the other point in terms of out of hours, absolutely. You know, we, we see a lot of dealerships now sort of expanding their opening hours. Um, it's generally that we see across the board around about 30, 35% come out of after hours. So it's how you then communicate with those customers. Do you leave them to the next morning? Or do you want to respond to them out of hours? And, you know, if you can respond to customers out of hours, then, you know, we'll benefit the business for sure. Does that does that mean as as, as a shift, um, Paul? Perhaps that that we're moving towards a, a different way of business, and therefore towards perhaps the agency agreement. It's been discussed a lot. It's maybe coming. Um, do you see that twenty twenty one acceleration towards that? I certainly think we'll move towards it. Um, in the long term, I don't see it just maybe next year. Um, it's uh, probably the model that the manufacturers will want us to be looking at. Um, just touching back on the guys with experience, you, you were talking about the customer and the journey. And I think speed of response is critical um, to to any of these things. Now, the cust customers, the consumers, are very impatient. They want an answer straight away. And what we have found in our experience is that um, the speed of response has been uh, critical to securing an appointment. Well, let's let's pick that up. What, what, what's the expectation then in, in in your minds? I mean, you know. <laughs> I know my 90-year-old daughter, if she doesn't get a response by, you know, by social media instantly, she thinks you've, you've fallen off a cliff. So are customers that impatient or is there a, is there a time that you're allowed to respond in? We target the guys sub 10 minutes um, and, and we do it a lot quicker than that during, during the days, obviously. Um, customers just demand that now. That's the expectation. That's what they want. If they're on their laptop or they're on their phone, they want an answer as soon as they send in the request. So. We have found um, our appointment ratio is a lot higher from uh, faster response. Darren, I guess that plays out across the industry. Have you got any, any thoughts on typical trends and response times that, that, that customers expect uh, in, in, in 2020 and 21? Yeah, I agree with Paul. I think the uh, what the lockdown has done is the, you know, the, the we, we class it as immediacy. Uh, and we're all impatient. Uh, and I think that, that's uh, become prevalent in, in during the lockdown. But I think from our perspective, it's, you know, the ideal response time is nine to 14 minutes. If you can return to a customer within 19, 14 minutes, you're doing very, very well. Because the thing is with a customer, they're still going to be on their laptop, they're still going to be on their mobile phone, whatever it may be. So they'll still be engaging with you. So I think that's the key part. So if you can get back to a customer in that time frame uh, with some engaging questions, uh, like Paul said, you're going to increase your chances, absolutely. Speed is of the essence. Uh, also, if you have a question or a point you'd like to raise with our panel this afternoon, uh, please feel free. You can enter in the box or you can uh, send it via the hashtag ARNLive. Quick look into 21, Robert, in terms of uh, servicing. We touched on MOT a little bit earlier. Um, are you seeing, are you sensing a pent-up demand there, an opportunity uh, where suddenly there's going to be perhaps a logjam of, of service requirements and capacity imbalance or, or are things smooth as you look into the new year? Uh, I think we've had a period, a big period of pent up demand in terms of servicing. And every time you have a, a proper lockdown, then you, it stymies servicing to a degree and then it comes back quickly. MOT, obviously, you know, the delay that we had, the six month extension, that's pretty well winding its way through now. I don't envisage 
to be honest with you, 2021 being too much changed by that. I think there are some fairly obvious points, which is we didn't sell a lot of cars April and May 2020. So I think service work in April and May 21 could come under some pressure because there won't be that, you know, one-year-old car, uh, new and used, coming back that we would ordinarily have. We've seen a massive deficit in warranty work in the past uh, nine months. It's significantly down pretty well across the board of all the manufacturers. So you've got to think that there's quite a lot of work required when the world gets back to normal on the warranty front. And we might see a little bit of a dip in retail, but uh, but a big increase in warranty work. So I, I'm not uh, worried too much about service work next year. I think it might be a slightly different mix. We've had a very lucrative, high margin, high retail mix for the past nine months. And I can see that tempering off and coming back down to more normalized. And have you had much activity around finance? Because one of the fears was mass redundancy and people handing back cars and complications around finance. Did that come to no, pass no, or the, not? No, because no, the government's paying people to sit at home. So, no. No, ultimately, yes, there's got to be. I mean, every bone in my body says there's going to be problems. Depends what happens, doesn't it? Depends where the Brexit deal is or not. It depends what that means. It depends what the fiscal policy is around taxation. Are we going into a low tax or a high tax environment? And does, do we see a big bounce back? Or has there been some substructural damage to the economy by trying to lock down a modern capitalist economy for months on end? I'm a bit pessimistic on that one, I think. <laughs> I think the government has been brilliant at supporting business, but shambolic in imposing lockdowns. You're never shy to share us your views, and that's why we love you. Thank you, Robert. Um, <laughs> let, let's let's pick up a question. A question from um, Nigel uh, McMinn. Hello, Nigel. Um, he raised the question on this agency model. Let me let me ask Paul a question. He says, "Could Auto Trader and others, for example, become an authorised channel um, for new cars under an agency model? Could you see that happening, Paul?" Uh, I don't think it will. I think a customer still expects to come and test drive, view, touch the car. Uh, I think you still need a dealer network to do that. I think you still need a dealer network to carry out warranty work. Um, I can't really see that happen, to be honest. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the, because the, there's such a sort of a visibility for organisations like that, and obviously a lot of TV advertising and so on. But but there doesn't seem to be the other part behind it of of, of how you fulfil uh, and support the customer. So are you seeing that as the the, the residual opportunity that remains? Yeah, if you look after our customers. Their customers will keep coming back to the dealerships. I can't see them leaving the dealerships en masse just because uh, some of the agencies have taken on the franchise or are allowed to deliver new vehicles. Uh, I would, I would definitely don't see it happen in the immediate future. Uh, maybe down further down the line, the younger generation might be more prepared to hit a button, uh, but they're still going to have to come back to the dealer network, and then that will be our opportunity to win the customer back in their showrooms again. Does this play regionally at all, uh, Jonathan in Wales? I mean, is, does it does it resonate? Is it different? Is it the same? Yeah, I think um, we sort of covered a lot, but I think the consumer likes the physical experience. We're, we're social creatures who actually do enjoy this significant purchase. Um, and the digital transaction, you know, fully online, is, is not something that's maybe as enjoyable or, you know, something that people are choosing currently. Um, I, I've thought it over time it might evolve, but at the moment, people do. It's a big, it's a big purchase, it's a big investment. It's a relationship they want to have with the local retailer. And they, at the moment, that's an experience they're enjoying physically. 
Thank you. Uh, Nigel, thanks for your question. Uh, Mike Saunders um, from Rossett's Commercials. Robert, let me let me put this one to you. He, he raises this issue about uh, the change, the EV mix, um, and obviously the transition from, from internal combustion to EV. And he, he raised the point, when will that have an impact on after sales? Because obviously there's a, it's a different technology and there will be some impact. When are you seeing that? Hmm. Well, it depends on the speed of adoption, doesn't it? really and how quickly the 37 million cars and vans in the uk actually get moved over to ev um and eve and i think that's glacial very slowly actually in terms of the impact of that on the mass scale in, in after sales and i don't really know how the after sales impact works um there's less wear and tear but they're highly complex beings so i think I would suggest that we'll see potentially lower number of uh, hours per job card on an electric vehicle service, but I think we'll see quite a lot more visits because I think they might go wrong and I think they'll be highly complex. And I think that the franchise dealers may very well pick up market share against the independent aftermarket as the electric vehicles come through the park because I think we'll have the training, the know-how, the links to the manufacturers, uh, and so I think we might see lower hours per job car, but higher penetration and uh, capturing more of the of that after sales market. So I'm not sat here particularly concerned about that at the moment, uh, but it's clearly something we've got to we've got to monitor. We did send a team over this time last year to Norway to have a good look at that issue and came back with quite a good feeling on it, actually. I guess it's a transition phase. You, you say glacial. I guess the, the, the focus tends to be on the excitement of the new technology. But if you balance that with 35, 36 million uh, vehicles in the park now, and it depends where you are in the market, I suppose, whether you're... Yeah, the, the, average age of a, the average age of a vehicle in the UK is seven years. Well, the best one in the world, do the modelling. Even 2030, the vehicle park is, is pretty substantially uh, diesel and electric. Um, and I think the connected vehicle, autonomous driving, electric vehicle powertrains, hybrid powertrains, which are complex, we've got two powertrains. So I think these cars are going to be in our workshops quite a bit. Paul, in Northern Ireland, question to you uh, from Philip Wiley from ProAlign. Hello, Philip. Um, what does the panel think about this issue of connectivity between car and workshop? Robert touched on it a little bit there, um, and the fact that you know maybe a lot of it is done over the air. Are, are you looking at extra investment um, in the technology to enable you to be interacting in that way? Uh, I think we're pretty close as it is. We've been doing this for years with Formula One, with the telematics uh, on the Formula One cars. Uh, some of the premium brands have already got that technology that they do preventative maintenance or if there's a fault occurs in the vehicle that they're already contacting the customer and booking them in before the customer's even aware that the fault's going to take place. Um, I think that'll just come naturally. The technology's in the cars, uh, in the vehicles. Um, I think it's just a matter of a, a fine tune of the technology that dealership will have. Thanks, Paul. You're watching Auto Retail Live. Um, with us today as we close out 20... 2021, we have Robert Forrester, the CEO of Virtu Motors, uh, Jonathan Gravel from Gravel Motors uh, across Wales, uh, Paul Ward joined us from Shellbourne Motors in Northern Ireland, and we have Darren um, Preddy, who's the sales director for Rapid uh, RTC. Um, Simon Oldfield's uh, thrown a question our way. Good afternoon, Simon. Thanks for your uh, question. 
thinking about the outlook for used cars in 2021. So I'm just going to quick tour to Tabla. Let's start in Wales. Jonathan, what's your view in terms of used cars um, for the region? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see sort of more growth again in 21 over 20. Uh, new cars are going to get more expensive. Um, you've got a Brexit risk on tariffs for new car prices. So I think we're forecasting growth again in used and it being a sort of a stronger uh, used year than 2020 again. So I think we're, we're looking forward to a, a good used year. Thumbs up from Wales, Northern Ireland. You, obviously, Paul, your business, you, you've said, is, is, is heavy in used cars. So used cars, I guess, is going to be a big year for you, is it? Uh, very dependent on Brexit. Um, we still have this fear over the 20% marginal, 20% um, uh, actually VAT on marginal vehicles. Uh, so our supply could be a problem. Uh, we're hoping you know, used cars is going to be uh, buoyant for us, but uh, that concern still lies with us. It could affect the supply chain for a lot of people. And Robert, the, the view from Scotland, England? Uh, I think we'd be pretty optimistic about used cars. I think supply, because the new car supply, I think will be quite tight, actually. And it depends on the Brexit discussions, obviously. But I, I suspect if it is tight, and it will be tight in any respect, then we'll see strong used car margins. And that's always helpful. Uh, demand side, um, I think it'll be okay, obviously subject to sort of GDP trends and um, consumer confidence. Uh, it's all, I mean, it's difficult to predict. I don't like predicting used car markets well in advance. It's a perfect market. It moves quickly and external stimuli can have a, uh, can have an impact on it. So, um, and we will plan for a, a decent used car time. Good, good, good. No positivity. By the way, um, at the end of our uh, session this afternoon, uh, you are more than welcome, um, thank you for joining us, to take part in a quick survey. Uh, it will take you less than three minutes, even with my ham-fisted uh, attempts online. You will do it probably in two minutes. It's a quick uh, dipstick survey to take your thoughts as to how we're looking going forward to 2021, uh, and you will see a link from uh, the screen uh, when we come to a close. Uh, Darren, Turning to you, uh, a question here from Paul at Autoglin, um, who, who raises this issue of additional income. I mean, it's been a good year in terms of managing uh, income so far, but he's asking this the question about additional income and the significance of this in terms of add-on for gap pain protection uh, and, and damage protection in, in the coming year. Is that going to be an important part of the market? Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? I think it always has been. Um, whether that will change into 2021 um, will be interesting, but it always has been. You know, add-ons, as we know, you know, whether it be gap or pain protection, tire insurance, whatever that may, has always been an important part. But I, I and it will be into 2021. Um, I think, as Robert said, I think used car margins will remain strong, um, and add-ons will always have a, an important part to play for sure. Thank you, Darren. Jonathan. What's about the fleet market? Is is that something um, that uh, Rupert uh, Rupert Saunders, uh, many of you will know Rupert, um, raises the question: is, is is the fleet sales going to be coming back to the market? And I guess it's a, a, an important part of your business uh, in Wales. Um, yeah, we've we've seen sort of a big impact um, during twenty twenty on the reduction in volumes through there. You'd, you'd hope to see it normalise into next year now. Um, but I think you know, we, I think as we know ourselves. I think it's more uncertain regarding um, how the economy outlook is in Q1 and Q2. Um, furlough ending in sort of March will sort of determine how we see prospects sort of over the first half of the year. But I hope to see to see it come back reasonably in the first half. Yeah. 
And is it, is it a fleet market for you in Northern Ireland? Is it is it, is it of any size, uh, Paul? We wouldn't have the same uh, fleet size that the UK counterparts would have. Um, much smaller, uh, a lot of some 50 uh, businesses. But those uh, customers in particular haven't been out and about during the lockdowns, and we hopefully expect to see some of that business return, as uh, Jonathan said, in, in 2021. And probably some uh, lower mileage vehicles being traded as well, which would be uh, uh, not not done quite the number of miles. Um, I'm going to turn to Robert for this question from Mark Hutchings uh, at Lombard, uh, who is who's asking about a look forward to maybe five years hence. Who's who's asking the question about sales and sales representation of the top ten retailers in that period, which which Robert, your business is. Will there still be a significant bricks and mortar business, or will the differentiator be IT and the ability that you have in that regard? Uh, well, there'll be a combination of the both. Um, we are increasingly becoming technology companies. Uh, we have developed a robot, which I've seen this morning actually in these BMW dealerships, which uh, takes a, a used car, goes off to the DVLA, uh, taxes the vehicle and makes the payment. And it's a robot that does that now rather than a human being. Um, and technology is going to be a very, very important part of our business. It is already, but increasingly, we've got 30 full-time software developers and, and robotics engineers now working in the business. But it will be with bricks, a different formats, and you know, we'll, we'll, the landscape will look probably quite different in five years' time. Uh, but there will be bricks because cars are physical, and they need preparing, and they need servicing, and people like to drive them before they buy them, and that will still be the case in five years' time. I think there'll be a substantial amount of change between now and five years' time, but fundamentally, whether in the top 10 or indeed uh, as a two-dealer group, uh, technology will be everything. I think the big dealer groups will, will effectively come up with their own, and the smaller players will, will buy it off the shelf. Um, but it doesn't mean that technology is not going to be important. The world is going to be based on technology. Thank you, Robert. Interesting, going to call this the final question from Bruce, Bruce Beaton, uh, and I'm going to just trot around and ask each of you this, and I'll start with Darren. Um, he asks what the most positive change uh, has been due to COVID to your business model that you will embrace moving forward? So a little bit of thinking time, but Darren, what's your what's your take on that for, for, for retail from, a, from what you've seen? I think personally, it, it's one thing that uh... We have improved on massively, and it, and it has been important. Is communication. Um, you know, when you when you've got staff working remotely, having that, you know, that that regular communication with your staff is absolutely vital. We used, we used to meet once a week. Now, back in April, we decided to meet every morning, and we still do that to this day. And it and it, the benefit the business the benefit from it. Obviously, that and also efficiency. Okay, communication. Jonathan, in, in Wales, what, what, what's your most positive change that you take forward as a result from this year? Um, I think we, we've, it, this, uh, the lockdown has forced us to be closed. We've reassessed, reviewed, and it's given you time to you know reconsider offerings. You, it, people, we are a people business. We're a physical business. It's, it's getting those people as well prepared and as engaged as we can, and that has really been a big part of this year seeing people come back off lockdown, off furlough, and actually sort of enthused with work because they have they want to come back to work. Seeing that recognition of enthusiasm has been, has been great, but it's, it's it's making the most of that and just keeping that now uh, whilst we sort of continue to grow the business. Paul, what about from a Shelburne Motors perspective? Uh, technology. 
Uh, we have found that as it's given us an opportunity to review all our technology. Uh, what to actually feel how the customer uh, goes through the journey and to make that as streamlined as possible for them, to make it as easy as possible for them and enjoyable as possible for them. So we've taken a lot of time to, to streamline all the technology that we use. And Robert, final word. A lot to go at this year. You've had a lot of challenges, but things yeah, that you I'll take go away. For a, I'll go for a really boring one actually but i think it's important if you'd asked me this time last year in 12 months time your customers will be doing unaccompanied test drives and sales executives will not be in the car i would have gone mm, interesting idea complete rubbish and actually it was wrong because actually we are doing unaccompanied test drives the conversion ratio i think has actually gone up interestingly it's speeded up the sales process because the sales executive now isn't in the car and can be getting on with preparing for the return of the customer and that makes the whole sales process a lot slicker and with a lot less friction. Uh, you can be evaluating the part exchange or can be preparing the, the deal or the offer or whatever. So I suspect we will continue with unaccompanied test drives. Great. That was a really interesting uh, question. Thank you, Bruce, for that. Thank you to everybody who's uh, taken time for joining us here this afternoon uh, as we've uh, enjoyed the final uh, auto retail live uh, webinar. Uh, we have on the screen there, you will see the link that takes you through to uh, the survey. Please do just take two minutes to take part in that survey. And on behalf of uh, Tristan, Francis and Rupert and all here at Auto Retail Live, um, congratulations to you for a tough year or doing well and we salute you and wish you the very best for the remainder of 2020. And we will join you again in 21. Thank you to our guests, Robert Forrester, the Chief Executive of Vertu Motors, to Jonathan Gravel from Gravel's uh, uh, Motors, from Paul Ward, Director of Shellbourne Motors in Northern Ireland, and to Darren Preddy, the Sales Director of Rapid RTC. Here's to a great end 2020. See you next time. Thank you.